The following is the sermon from Sunday, February 21st, 2021 from Cornerstone United Methodist Church in Naples, Florida. The sermon is entitled, Listen, and preaching is Reverend Roy Terry IV. For more information on Cornerstone United Methodist Church, visit cornerstonenaples.org. Amen. So usually on the first Sunday of Lent, we, uh, we immediately are uh, brought into the story of Jesus in which right after his baptism, he's swept out into the wilderness and he's tempted for 40 days. Bonnie shared that in the children's message. Great job she did there. Broke those texts down for you. You all could go home because that was a good little sermon right there. Um, but I want to talk about these next five weeks in this journey that we're going to be on together. We're going to do something a little different during this Lenten season. Uh, rather than simply focusing on prayer and fasting and our generosity, which we hope you are all doing that anyways, and we'll continue to remind everybody that during this season we should be involved in those things. And rather than giving things up here at Cornerstone, we've, we've always been more interested in adding some new things to your life that might bring you closer to God or closer to your neighbor. And this year we thought, you know what, one of the calls on our lives is to be better witnesses in the world in a way in which we can be an, a presence of love, embodied love, but also how do we welcome others into this story of Jesus Christ and this relationship that we hold so dear. If we've experienced God's grace unfold in our lives, how can we welcome and invite others into that story? Now, over the years, the church has used a lot of language for that. One of the words that you hear is evangelism. Anybody ever heard of evangelism? You know, go out and be evangelist. I got a problem with that word a little bit. Um, I don't have a problem with the word evangelist because that actually appears in Scripture three times the word evangelist is mentioned as somebody that goes forth from the church out into the world to share the good news of Jesus. That's an evangelist. But evangelism is a word that you never find in Scripture. It doesn't appear at all. It's a word that we have created in the church to talk about how the church is supposed to go out into the world to reach those heathens out there. You know the, who they are, they're out there. You all know? There's those of us in here who know Jesus. We've got it all together. And then there's all those people out there that don't have Jesus, and they're messed up. And they need us to go to them to convince them that they need to come be a part of us, because if you're a part of us, we're not going to hell. <laughs> Is, how many of you grew up in that narrative, huh? You know, that the, that the role of being of evangelism or to be a missionary in the world is to do what? To, to save people from hell. That, I mean, that's a prevailing narrative that has occurred within the life of Christendom for thousands of years. And I think it's a corruptible narrative, to, to be honest with you. I don't think that's at the heart of the gospel. I don't think that's what God came to do in Jesus Christ when he revealed himself in his fullness, is to save people from hell. I believe Jesus came to invite us into the story of God's love that was already planted in each and every person, not just those of us in here, but also those out there. You follow me? Every single person is a child of God. Every single person is created in the image of God. Every single person has a seed of faith inside of them. It might not have grown yet. It might be sitting idle, but it's there. Amen? Amen. 
Every single one of us. John Wesley called it provenient grace. In other words, it's God's grace that is there for us before we even knew or had a relationship with God. It's there. It's out there. And so I want to shift our attention from this idea of evangelism in which we're converting people and bringing them here and saving them from hell to being missionally minded. I like that word a lot better. What does it mean to be a missional people? In other words, the goal isn't to go out there and convert. The goal is for us to go out there and love and love more deeply and share our lives with other people and build relationships in which we get to know each other authentically and more deeply that we invite people into that story that we've experienced in our own lives at a depth and a sustainable level that will carry them into God's future. In other words, the missional goal is to build relationships outside the walls of the church, amen? To find those places and those people that you have an interest or a commonality and get to know them and build that relationship and that friendship at a depth where the love of God exudes from your life into their life. In other words, our missional goal out there is actually to point to each person and say, guess what? You're already a gift. God is already in you. The Holy Spirit is already working in your life. You have gifts to share. You have beauty to share in the world. Come on, let's be a part of that work together. Invite them into that story, amen? That's what it means. I think people are terrified because a lot of people think, remember when Bonnie was up here and she asked the kids, you know, can you invite people to church? And some of the kids were like, some of them were like this. Because even our children still live under that story that what we're doing is we're trying to convince people or manipulate people into the kingdom or out of hell and into heaven. And that's not what it's about. It's about inviting and welcoming people to acknowledge the love of God that's already there with them. See, the church has to change our attention. We have to refocus. We have to do away with all of those old stories and narratives and actually enter into this new day where we begin to realize that when we go out in the world, this Holy Spirit is already there. <laughs> right? I mean, part of it is, is that the, tr the church, you and I, the body of Christ, and maybe even us as individuals, those of us who've grown up in the church, We've always thought that somehow we had to make it happen. And the good news is you don't have to make it happen because God is already out there. Matter of fact, sometimes I think God's out there more than sometimes God is in here. And when you start approaching your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues and your acquaintances, realizing that God's spirit is already with them, it changes your perspective on how you share your life with them. Rather than seeing them as out and us as in, we see everyone as in. The goal is to invite them into a fuller experience of God's grace in, that is in their life. That's the moment of justification Wesley talks about. John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist tradition, talks about God's grace being present before anybody even knew it or acknowledged it. And then there's that moment where you have the aha experience. He calls that the justifying moment in which you say, yes. Oh my gosh, God loves me that much. And it's demonstrated through Jesus. And then, John Wesley says, it moves us to the next phase, which is called 
Anybody know the next stage? Provenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. That's when we become missional. We're called to share that love of God in the world in everything that we do. Praise be to God. Dallas Willard, a very well-known theologian, scholar, passed away just a few years ago, was sharing at a mission conference, and he was talking to a bunch of students who were asking him, how do we convert people? How do we lead people to Jesus? All that kind of stuff. He says, stop. He says, stop. He says, our work out in the world is we meet people, we get to know people, we make friends, we build relationships, and then we begin to see where the kingdom is already alive within them. Our job is to embody good news, to tell the better story, to be beauty in the midst of a world sometimes full of ashes, to build relationships, not because we're trying to coerce or manipulate other people, not because I'm trying to fill seats at the church or you know, get people to put checks in the offering boxes. That's not what this is about. It's about building those relationships in a way that you actually can share life together with those people and love those people deeply. And guess what? The Holy Spirit will do the work. We're just called to be present for them and with them, to come alongside our neighbors and our friends and our family and even those who may be new to us. How many of you have friends who know you're a Christian and when they're going through tough times, they say to you, can you please pray for me? Because they know you will, right? Because they know they need the support. They know every single person out there has that desire, right? Whether, whether they know it or not or whether they're you know, a theologian or whether they're just starting their journey or whether they have questions, all of them created in the image of God, all of them deeply spiritual, even though they've run far away from it, at the core, they long for it. And so we have to trust, church, that the Spirit's going to work. We actually have to humble ourselves, just as Jesus humbled himself, taking the form of a servant and moving into the neighborhood. Right? So what are the connections you're making not in here, out there. Who are the people that are in your heart you have a passion for? It could be an individual. It could be a group of people. It could be a neighborhood, whatever it is. Who, who is it that you're interested in growing in that relationship? Because that's where the Spirit is leading each of us to consider. To be missional out there. And it doesn't take a lot. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to say the name of the church. You don't even have to, have to say you go to church, and I've got a story for you. And some of you have heard this story a hundred times. I'm going to tell it again because it's way too good of a story. So I worked out. I work out. But I used to work out five days a week. I was in the gym all the time. That was my auxiliary network, my, my, my other group of people I used to hang out with at the gym. And one day I'm on the elliptical machine, and this young lady gets up next to me on the other elliptical machine, and we're just ellipticaling together. That's a word, right? 
ellipticaling together. And we get talking because that's what you do when you're on the elliptical machine in the gym. Because I have to tell you, if you want time to stand still, get on an elliptical machine or a stationary bike or run on a treadmill. Time stops, you know. So we got talking and she started sharing her life with me. And all of the burdens, man, she was going through some heavy, heavy stuff. And one of those things that she was sharing with me was that she had turned away from the church because the church had been so brutal to her after going through a health crisis. And I just listened and told her, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I, I don't think that's who Jesus is. I don't think that's what the church has been called to do or say. As a matter of fact, the church, if anything, should be coming up alongside of you and encouraging you and supporting you. But we have a good habit of uh, shooting our own wounded, right? So for two or three months, we're on the elliptical machine. I don't ever want anybody to know I'm a pastor, just so you know. It causes way too many problems. You know, the second, I, I, so I just say, hey, I'm Roy. That's great. And, and if somebody's around me who knows me, they always blow it more than likely for me. Because they'll be like, he's a pastor. And I was like, Meow. you know, it's like, because it changes the whole conversation. Why can't I just be Roy? But, you know, when, when you put reverend in front of it, oh, it's a whole nother conversation. This dude's here to get me into church or manipulate me or he wants me to tithe or, you know, whatever it is. And so I just prefer not doing that. Airplanes are the worst. You've heard me talk about that a lot. You sit down on the airplane, the person turns to you and says, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I work for a rather large nonprofit organization. <laughs> we help people out, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't ever tell them, pastor. When they find your pastor, then it goes a whole other direction. Well, anyways, so we're on elliptical machines just talking life. Three months pass. This young lady, I leave. The young lady gets off the liquor bowl. She turns to the gym manager, and she says, who is that guy? And he says, oh, that's Roy. He, she goes, well, what's he about? And he goes, well, he's a pastor. And she went, what? He's a pastor. The next week, I walked into the gym, and she said, you never told me you're a pastor. She was mad at me. And I said, what? And she said, well, I said, listen, you don't want to come to my church. It's, it's messy. It's challenging. There are some really weird people there. <laughs> don't, just don't. And, and then it, it's going to change our relationship. You know, I just, I just prefer. She's like, that is not anything a pastor ever told me. The next week she was here at Cornerstone. Not because I wanted her here. And that person's Dominique. Dominique Nash, who became our children's director, is now doing ministry at a school. That's how it happened. And that's not just, Dominique's story is just a really close one to me and Dominique because of that relationship, but that was a work of the Spirit. I didn't need to convert her. I didn't need to convince her she needed to be here. I just loved her and cared about her. And the Spirit does the rest of the work. Matter of fact, I think it's even better for us not to proselytize like that. I think maybe when you're walking with somebody and they find out you have a depth of faith and you're able to share that with them about your journey a little bit, maybe even your doubts and your fears, and they're like, well, how did you find all this out? Or how are you, you know, what, do you go to a church? And you'll say, you mean, you're not quite ready for that yet. <laughs> right? 
I mean, let's take our time and be more interested in the people and the community and offering ourselves in love and building up those relationships in ways that people's lives may truly be changed by the work of the Spirit, that they might be able to identify the beauty of God's love that's already in them. Because for many, many ages and eons, and even to this day, there are a lot of churches telling them that they don't have any beauty or love in them. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Even the worst person in the world is a human being created in the image of God with unlimited potential and the capacity for grace and mercy. Even the worst. Which got me to thinking about you know, where are you going? Who are you called to? Who do you have a passion for? What, what are the groups of people that you're interested in? Go. Meet those people. Be with those people. At a mission conference just a couple of years ago, I was at, they, they identified five primary areas, uh, what you might call your spheres, where you hang out and you have influence. Sometimes you have more influence than others <laughs> in those spheres. Um, but the first place of influence that you have is your kin, your family. You know, the hardest group of people to love sometimes can be your family. Now, my family, we love each other all the time. But, you know, sometimes it's the toughest place to have conversations about faith because you all think you just know each other, you know. But that's one of those areas, right? How, how, how much are you invested in loving your, your family, your kin? The next thing is your neighborhood, who do you know in your neighborhood? Now, I live in Golden Gate Estates. That's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> it's walking up to my neighbors sometimes. They come out with a gun. No, <laughs> they have a dog. But there's a few I know. All right, there's a few I know. Um, uh, but, but some of you live in communities right now that are like small worlds. Like you, you live in communities and you, you know each other really well. How can you build relationships in your neighborhood? And learn to love those folks there. You know. How about your colleagues, right? Place of work, great place to build relationships. Be a loving presence to those folks in that place. Um, how about affinity networks? You know what that means? That's your hobbies, your passions. Those things. It's like the gym. A gym was a, the affinity network. I spent a lot of time there. I talked to people there. You know, my son-in-law has this beautiful image. He loves playing chess, but there's no really good chess club in Naples where they could gather. And I said, let's just clear the sanctuary and we'll put out a bunch of chess boards and you can just have a chess club. And he said, well, that'd be great, but maybe we should start outside the church. <laughs> but he's right. I mean, some people just don't feel comfortable walking through the door. So, but start it somewhere. That's an affinity group. That's an affinity network, right? Build relationships. And the last place is your friends. Five places that all of us have some kind of connection and relationship. Sometimes you have more impact in building those relationships in one or two of those five than others. Amen? But we need to get to work and telling the better story out there because they're longing and hungry to hear it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. I do want to pause for a moment and give you an opportunity if some a question or a thought or a comment arose from the sermon today. Um, we want to give you an opportunity to share that. And if you have a question or a comment or a thought and you want to share, I'll repeat it so our friends who are online can hear what the statement was. I know you're not supposed to compare children, but 815 is much better at this than you all are. Just so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 second delay online. Anybody? Any questions, thoughts, comments? All right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Leslie, because that was the opening for my sermon, which I totally forgot in here. They got it at 8.15. So I'm going to share that with you. Thank you for bringing it up because it's an important image. How many of you were brought to the beach by your parents when you were little? How many went when you were an adult? First time. I mean, first time to the beach. Yeah. All right. Do you remember the person that first told you that if you picked a shell up and put it to your ear, you could hear the ocean, right? Um, and what was really cool about that is that I found out that if you take the shell away from the beach, you don't hear the ocean anymore. Because it's the chamber in the shell that catches the sounds and magnifies them when you hold it to your ear. So take your hand and hold it to your ear right now and tell me what you hear. I hear an air conditioner. I hear a fan. Yeah. So it amplifies the sound. So, right? So whatever you hold to your ear, it amplifies it and it lets you know what's going on around you. It's a beautiful image for listening more carefully and intently to what's going on in the world around you. So just as you might have held a shell to your ear to hear the ocean. And I remember as a kid being blown away by that because, uh, because I thought, wow, I can hear the whole, it's like the whole ocean is in here. <laughs> in this little shell. Just me and the ocean, right? It means that I have the capability of being connected to something bigger than myself right here in the palm of my hand. You all have the capability of being a part of something bigger than yourself within the gifts that God has given you to share. And so just like you'd hold a shell up to your ear to hear the ocean, we need to hold up Collier County to our ear and listen carefully to what God is calling us to do and the people we need to be with. That was good, wasn't it? That would have made the sermon 10 times better. <laughs> Thanks for asking that question. Anybody else? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For more information on Cornerstone United Methodist Church, you can visit cornerstonenaples.org or contact the church office through office at cornerstonenaples.org.